0: Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and life. My name is Freddie Gray. I'm the deputy editor of The Spectator. I am delighted to be joined by Devin Nunes, who is the CEO of Truth Social and the former chair of the House Intelligence Committee and a very senior figure in Republican politics who's actually in the office with me, which is rare for Americano because normally it's down the line across the Atlantic. But you are here in London, Devin, because you're launching Truth Social, which is a fairly significant, we think, we hope, social media platform that is now live and available in the UK, having already launched in America. Isn't that right?
1: That's right, Freddie, and thank uh, you for your hospitality. And it's great to be here in in your offices and I was walking by the other morning, and I saw this little bicycle. It looked like somebody just threw it off to the side, and I didn't realize that it was your—it was your actually your garden, that, the office of the spectator here. That so, that dingy bicycle. I thought about taking it for a ride. It really nice. <laughs> it looked like a little ice cream truck. A little it has a little box on the back. A little picture of Donald Trump. Yes,
0: yeah. it's actually our producer's Natasha. She, that's how she gets into work every morning.
1: <laughs> well, look, it's been a—we're glad to be here. So the goal of True Social is to open the internet back up and give the American people their voice back and ultimately people around the globe. And we decided to come to the UK first and it's, it's relatively simple. The reason why is obviously the second largest English speaking country in terms of, of size population. And we believe that the UK has a long history of free speech and also, I think it's going to be pretty evident once people begin to come on to True Social and the platform grows. You'll find out what everybody else has found out in America, just how bad you were being censored or banned from the other tech, what I call the tech tyrant platforms. So i like to say that Donald Trump didn't need a new company and I didn't need a new job. But I think it's the most important issue at the highest level to open up basic communications around the globe. If we're going to survive, those of us that are still democracies, or in the U.S. case, a democratic republic, if we're going to survive, we're going to have to have a way to communicate over the Internet. I think it's critical. And that's why I'm here. So,
0: Well, I asked you this when we we spoke a couple of days ago, and I think you found it slightly irritating, because I think you've been asked this question a lot. But Trump obviously was taken off Twitter. And I'll just ask you straight out, if Donald Trump was asked back onto Twitter, would he accept that invitation,
1: or is he a truth social person? Yeah, yeah, he's definitely staying on truth social. He would have no reason to go to to Twitter. Twitter is a house of cards, and I've said this from the very beginning that I'm not really interested in Twitter. I'm not interested in being Twitter. Our company is one that's looking at all the tech platforms, and we're looking at the ones that are the largest, and what do they do well, what do they not do so well, and what can we kind of borrow from those platforms and create a new platform that has all the features that people want, but that is intuitive and easy to use. And that's what we've created Mm -hmm. so far. We have five features that are, that are built out and operational. We have another five that we want to add by the end of the year. And what we've done is we have structured this in stages in terms of the rollout, the building of this, of true social and the rollout of true social. So, so it starts with, we don't want to be in a position where we can be canceled and so we have to build everything from, from the ground up. So we're not relying on any of what would you know, people would consider kind of blue chip, big U.S. tech companies, right? We don't want to be in a position where Amazon could cut the cords like they did to Parler and destroy a company. So we build slowly. We build methodically. So we opened up slowly with Apple first with an app on Apple. And we rolled that out slowly throughout basically beta testing through February and March. And then in the middle of April, we opened it up for anybody who wanted to get on the app. Then in the middle of May, we opened up through a web application so you can get it through a browser. So now anyone on any device can log on to True Social and get an account, including Android. It's just we're not in the Google Play Store yet. So, so and, and you can do that in the United States. And now... While I'm sitting here, in the United Kingdom. Yes. In those two countries. And we're we've submitted to the Google Play Store. We're waiting for them to approve us. And then at that point, I would consider that we would be a fully launched startup. But until that time, we're basically still in beta, still developing, still building. But we're, you know, the fastest growing social media platform in history at this point. We'll see if we can sustain the growth.
0: I can see you're very fast growing. Can you give us some sense of the numbers? And can we also talk about, again, a question I think you've been asked a lot, but I think it will be of interest. One of the reasons why Twitter is so successful is because, or has been so successful, is because it's a public square where people with differing views argue. Parler was cancelled. I totally accept that. But one of its problems as a platform, and I think a lot of... Other companies have found this, is you need the debate. You need to have people disagreeing with each other. Is a problem for Truth Social that you will not have enough people fighting, which is actually what people really love doing on the Internet?
1: Yeah. Well, that's not what we're trying to be, right? So – and I would argue that that Twitter is a, is a house of cards. I probably didn't finish that, that answer, but uh, maybe just kind of flush that out a little bit why, mm-hmm. why I say that. It doesn't have whatever they say, 300 million users – I've pointed out that out from the very beginning, and I knew that from my experience being on Parler, being the first to go to Rumble, which is a YouTube alternative, and now with True Social, it's just impossible with the engagement. With you know, we know the numbers that we have as we were growing, but even in our early testing of of beta in the first thirty to forty five days, many of our people were getting more interaction. Many of our users were getting more interaction on a small little platform than they were getting on Twitter with. 10 or 20 times the followers. So there's a couple of reasons for that. One is they do shadow ban conservatives, but two is that normal people just aren't there. So Twitter is a global PR wire for the internet. That's all it is. It's a place where celebrities go and journalists go, the Hollywood type sports figures, other folks that are in that realm, and they use it primarily to push out their press releases. Mm that's what it's mainly used for and then all the news around the globe they pick it up and they put the little bird on the screen but this is not a this is not a startup company it's a company that's been around it's a mature company it's been around for a long time and i think Elon Musk figured out that paying 44 billion dollars for something that has a bunch of spam accounts and bot accounts and fake accounts and corporate accounts It's just not worth it. It's got some value, but it's not worth forty-four billion dollars. And of course, as long as they're going to be woke and censoring, they're totally useless. So we're building a platform. So we don't want to be that. You know, we we accept we don't censor for people's political views. All right, but we're trying to be. We want to be a a family friendly platform that has the best of Instagram, TikTok, et cetera. And why do I say that? I view the market here as. Very simply as if you're over the age of 55, you're on Facebook. If you're 25 to 55, you're on Instagram. And if you're under the age of 25, you're on TikTok. Mm. I have a big, a large, comes from a large family. I'm from the state of California, the agricultural area, the normal area of what's left of normal California. And roughly there are 100 people there. And I asked all of my family, you know, all of them. I said, who's on, you know, any of you guys on Twitter? You know, just taking a simple poll, right? Crickets, no one, not mm-hmm. one person there was. I had two uncles that said they used to be until Donald Trump got kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, primarily a lot of them were on Facebook and, and Instagram. And the kids, it was a big, you know, obviously, you know, kids from five years old to people that are in their 80s. Nearly all of them, they were, they were on one of those three platforms that I mentioned. And I think that's representative of, of the world. And I think you would find the same thing, you know, maybe, you know, here in London, you're probably going to get a few more people that are on that are on this. But, you know, we don't want to be a place where blue checkers go and like argue with each other. It's just not it's just not a business model that works. And how do we know that? Because Twitter hasn't made any money. Yes. They're a company that gets four billion dollars a year, roughly, and they're not profitable and never have been. Well, tell us a
0: little bit. I mean, you speak to Donald Trump quite regularly. There's been this sort of interesting spat, public spat between him and Elon Musk. What's your understanding of that?
1: Uh, My take on it was that both myself and President Trump were very supportive, going back to what's the mission of our company? We're here to open the internet back up, give people their voice back. Very simple. And we'll do that in any way possible because this is a company that, that has a, a, a strong mission statement and we support anyone and everyone that's trying to do that, mm-hmm. right? And when you look at when you look at what happened when that was first announced, I said, great, I hope he does buy it. I hope he buys Facebook and Instagram and TikTok if he can get that away from the Chinese because having Elon Musk own it, even though Elon may not be a perfect character, it can't be any worse yeah. than what we have now, right? But then as, it, as, as the deal came together, even though we had been very positive i think that uh, musk you know kind of took some shots at the president and uh, i thought it was a little odd because i always said positive things and the president said positive things and i think just ultimately as i think people know if you if you continue to you know poke and poke and poke president trump you know ultimately he's going to hit back yeah as most people do
0: well let's let's talk about donald trump a bit because i think it's been a story the last few days that it looks as though he may announce that he's going to run in 2024, possibly quite soon. Can I ask your opinion as someone who knows him? Do you think he will announce that he's going to run? And secondly, will he announce that he's going to run before the the midterms?
1: Yeah, he's been very, very clear about this for a while now, that he wants to help the Republicans gain back control of the House and the Senate He's been actively out endorsing candidates, finding candidates in both the House and Senate. We're in an unusual place in this country where that we haven't been in, in a long time in America. Well, I don't think there's anything even comparable to it because you have someone who is the leader of the party as somebody who's no longer the president but still the leader of the party. So he's, you know, he's going out around the country, you know, I mean, gosh, at least twice a month, if not more. Holding rallies, getting tens of thousands of people at these rallies. Mm. He brings in house candidates, Senate candidates, lets them speak, and these things go on for four or five hours, right? Mm. They start and people get there, you know, five hours before that, they get in line. Some people get there the night before. So this is something that we've it's unusual in American politics for a lot of reasons, but one because we've never seen anything like that before in, in American politics, people that get this these types of crowds for that duration. Secondly, even though he's been banned from all these social media platforms, he's getting millions of people that are watching him live at these rallies, even though you have the major cable networks aren't, aren't carrying it, you know, YouTube, Facebook, none of them are carrying it, but yet he's getting millions of views on Mm. this, either, either direct live streaming it on platforms like, like rumble or other accounts that are on rumble Or they watch it after the fact and they'll watch the replay of former president usually goes on for about an hour and a half or so at these rallies. Mm. So I would say that every one of those are being seen by at least probably a couple million people. Mm. And that's saying something that's very, it's quite amazing, especially since the majors are not covering it at all. They ignore it. They pretend it's not happening. Mm. But yet it happens day after day, week after week. And that's with... Everybody essentially banning him, and then the final thought that I have on that that I think we have to—the only thing that's similar to this—and I think we might have just briefly touched on it the other day when we were talking. I mean, the only thing that I can think of that's in recent memory would be Benjamin Netanyahu in in Israel, uh-huh. um, where you know he was elected. Gosh, I'm thinking it was the late '90s, early 2000s. I don't have—I don't remember the exact dates, but I remember when I came into Congress, mm-hmm. uh, he was out of power yet he was still the leader mm. you know of the party in a different system right i mean we have house and senate that's more of a one body but they have lots of parties there right in in israel you know that's when i first met him when he was out of power yet he was still the leader then he came back into power then he lost power then he came back into power and you know you could even argue today he's still you know the leader of of one of the conservative parties there so that's probably the only similarity that i have some familiarity with just because i know i'm familiar with with netanyahu and his leadership style and, and have watched those politics there for a long time. But that's never happened in America, right? If you're a president or a former speaker, you're gone, right? I mean, as a matter of fact, a lot of these guys, when they leave, they don't even want to be involved at all in politics, mm. right? Even refuse to, like, if you look at George W. Bush, he just vanished from the landscape completely. Yeah, did some painting. Yeah, yeah. completely vanished, never, uh, never, which is fine. That's his right to do. Have you ever heard
0: Donald Trump compare himself to Netanyahu? Or, or, no, or, no, no. That's just, any, I'm just giving you that's the, your perspective.
1: I'm just giving you the perspective of trying to to give an example of something that we have right now in real life that is even even comparable. Yes, but in U.S. politics, we haven't seen that, right? John Boehner, a former Speaker, Paul Ryan, you know, they're just you know completely out of politics. Yes, but but you have you know President Trump more votes than any Republican has ever received. And he's out leading the party. And some people may not like it, which is fine. I mean, you guys have your internal party struggles here in the UK too, in the conservative parties. But the way that the the fake news is handling this, along with the tech companies essentially banishing him to the to the ghettos of the of the internet, and yet they still can't stop him. And you know, the key to, you know, like I said, the, the key to true social really is that there's so many people that are not Donald Trump, much smaller than him, but are exactly like Donald Trump in many ways because they lost everything. They spent a lot of time on social media. They built accounts up, and they got banished to the depths of hell and the Internet.
0: <laughs> so let's imagine that he does declare, perhaps before the midterms, perhaps after. Obviously, you're, you're close to him, so perhaps you're a bit biased. But do you see anybody in Republican circles that can stop Donald Trump if he declares that he wants to run for the Republican nomination.
1: No, I I don't and just for those reasons that I just laid out. Mm. I mean this is something that is unprecedented in modern US history the day especially in the days of television and the and the internet. Mm. I mean maybe Teddy Roosevelt, but Teddy Roosevelt went started a new party. President Trump controls the Republican party. Mm. And the elites people around the globe they don't like him and you know Quite frankly, you get outside the city states in America, you get you know just miles outside a city, and every single community's going to have a Trump twenty twenty four flag bumper stickers all over the place. They're everywhere. You go to a lake and you're boating on the, in the during the summer, you're going to see boat flags uh, going out. I, I think I told you the other day. This is a perfect example. Just an average day in California. It was a day before I, I left to come back here my in the morning went to a bakery hadn't seen the lady for a while and she says oh is, is Trump running again I'm gonna have a party right and this was a immigrant lady in her in her late 30s she's ready to have a party and they're not going to let anybody in unless they have the make America great again hat on her you know yes my daughters were in a in a vacation Bible school and some of the kids had Trump 2024 written on their lanyards I saw a, a big rig truck going uh, down the you're down the freeway with Trump 2024 20, flags flying. It that was in one day, just in a few hours in, in California. My, in California, in my, in just in my area, and that is what you see all over the United States of America. Mm. And quite frankly, you see it here in the UK a little bit too. There's people that are that are big supporters of of President Trump. So you know, knowing that, I mean, look, you anything's possible in politics, but this is a guy who has a hell of a following. You can ignore it. You can pretend it doesn't exist. You can. You can write fake news about it in which, you know, in true social, sadly, we get, you know, dozens of stories usually a day of fake news. Mm. And look, they're not not writing about us for any other reason, though. They're scared to death of us because we're succeeding. And there's been a lot
0: of talk about Ron DeSantis in the last few months, and it's even come across to Britain. I think people in Britain are now increasingly aware of Ron DeSantis. Do you think that he is... A legitimate rival to Trump, or do you think that the people that despise Trump so much are trying to sort of elevate him because they're worried?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, no one is is a rival to Trump. Ron, who who I know, who served within Congress, consider him a friend. You know, he is a product of the Trump era. He is only governor because of President Trump. President Trump got him through the primary, and what he's done well is he's governed like President Trump did in Washington, which is he says something and he does it. I spent a lot of time in Florida. I'm very fond of the states, but being that I'm also in California. It's like two different planets. Yes, well, that's um, a whole other story, isn't it? Yeah, no, no. It's, it's well run. and But you know, and Florida has been well run for a while. So Ron took over a state that's had a long history of Republican governors, dating back you know, Rick Scott, Jeb Bush, So Florida has been in a a pretty good position, but Ron has, has governed strong. He stood up during the COVID stuff and and he did a good job. And so he is, he is one of the major political figures if he continues, he's got to win reelection for governor Mm -hmm. this November, and he's going to have a long career because he's a young, he's a young guy. And I think if he continues to govern like he is, you know, he's got a big career ahead of him still Mm because he's, because he's so young, but you know, Ron hasn't called me for any advice, but I just don't see him running, you know, no matter how many never Trumpers and fake news outlets promote and you think someone it- else. Because remember, I mean, they promote, it's not just DeSantis is the one that they know could maybe siphon off some people and kind of the the in crowd who would say, well, maybe he could win, but he's kind of like Trump, right? Damn. I mean, that's what they're saying privately. Yes. But, you know, Ron DeSantis, you know, couldn't show up in... area and draw 40,000 people to a to an audience and Trump could
0: yes do you think that a lot of sort of never Trump people even though they dislike DeSantis's politics they think he's more biddable they think he's more oh I think
1: if if President Trump said tomorrow hey I'm out of uh, politics I'm going to focus on true social and my golf courses and my and my hotels and I really like Ron DeSantis. He's my governor. I'm going to endorse him. If President Trump said that the very next day, all those people would turn against him. They say, "Well, what about Liz Cheney? I, we think she's going to be the best, or Nikki Haley, or I mean, it'll be somebody else." So, you know, Ron would only have a honeymoon for so long.
0: Yes. But have you spoken to Donald Trump about his vice presidential choice? Lots of speculation that would be Ron DeSantis. Do you no, think-
1: I mean, I, I haven't even. Uh, I'm focused, you know, solely on getting True Social off the ground, and so it's taking up all of my time. I mean, virtually, we're we're going twenty four seven with this, building out this product. And you know, when I when I do talk to the president, he often will, you know, I'll tell him what's going on True Social, and then you know, he'll he'll mention, oh, you know, the rally, I'm doing this and doing that. Do I know so and so? Do I know so and so? But I haven't had any conversation with him because because all he's told me is exactly what he said in public that he wants to be. He wants to help win the House and Senate back and, and he wants to make sure his health that he's in good health. And he said that publicly. And what I'm saying is not something he said publicly.
0: How focused is he on True Social? How much of his time do you oh, think? Oh he, he he loves, he loves it. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he loves it. I mean if you notice I mean now that you're on, yeah. you're on there, I mean you know, he posts multiple times a day.
0: And do you think if he were to declare he might do it on True Social?
1: Well, as the CEO of the company I would hope that he would. <laughs>
0: I would lobby him to do, do that. Do you think he would... Do, I mean, what, what would be the other way? Uh, you know what?
1: Take? I mean, if you look at... He's such an uh, unconventional figure. Whatever he's going to do is going to be some grand entrance. Remember, nobody's going to forget yes. when he came down the escalator, Trump Tower, yes. with with Melania. Yeah. Right? So I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. Do you think he knows? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I think he must be gauging things. I mean, a lot of th- times what, what the president would do and I've seen him, you know, for many years do this, is he'll, what do you think of this idea? What do you think of that idea? And I think that's how a lot of these rumors get started. Yes. And then people who should, you know, they're kind of jackasses, quite frankly, because, you know, he's trusting them in, in these conversations. And if, you know, he'll throw out, you know, and then, of course, they'll run directly to the fake news, and then they'll say, according to two sources, which it's probably only one, yes. and it's probably secondhand, but President Trump likes to, he's an entrepreneur, and he likes to throw ideas at the wall, all the time, and um, he's never been afraid to try things.
0: Yes. Well, let's talk about January 6th and the January 6th hearings, because if you were to read the British media, you would think that you know the big story in America is the January 6th hearings, and it's actually true that it seems to be getting a lot of views, despite what people say. I mean, it has it has got a large number of views. Do you think it's possible for Donald Trump to win the presidency after what happened on January 6th? Well, they have... Regardless of what you think is right or wrong, do you think he has been damaged so badly in public opinion by it that it's difficult for
1: him? I mean, he couldn't be any more damaged than he's been damaged. I mean, the guy's been... He's been hit constantly since 2016, you know, and mostly by his own government, Mm. by our own government with a corrupt Department of Justice and intelligence agencies that worked with the Democrats and the Clinton campaign... To you know, to make up the entire Russia hoax and the Ukraine hoax, and what is now the January 6th deal is quickly what turned into a, a riot. Is now for those of us who have watched politics and watch this, it's clearly now moved into hoax category, right? It's fine to go after rioters, people who broke windows, people who broke into the House chamber. They should be fully prosecuted. But now it's it's getting scary the way that the Department of Justice is targeting people who weren't even in the damn building. Mm. is wild. You have a committee never before in history as I served 20 years in Congress ran some of the most successful investigations. I would have never it would have never crossed my mind to say, eh, I'm going to go ahead and not put on any Democrats and I'm just going to yeah. go ahead and pick out the Democrats that I want to use for my own political purposes and we're going to go ahead and run a show trial. We're going to hire a former you know, ABC news producer, and we're going to put together slick videos. Mm. That would never even cross my mind to do that. And and, and if I, if I had done that, I would be a laughingstock. Not only by the fake news, but by I call it the ninety-five-five group: ninety-five percent are fake, five percent are real. Those five percent that are real, investigative reporters doing real work, uh, you know, centers to center, to center right, they wouldn't tolerate that type of activity by me or anyone else. So the January 6th committee in Congress is a scam. There are now what, what's, what's come out, despite the very few people that are covering this and doing investigative work, numerous cases of people that were there that do not appear to be Trump supporters that were posing as Trump supporters. We have no idea if they were federal agents or not or working on behalf of someone, someone else, but it has all the hallmarks of that so I mean you're talking about Ray Epps there people like that yeah Ray Epps and there's others
0: what I think is odd is that you're right that it's it's sort of moving into hoax territory because these hearings are so obviously one-sided but I still think perhaps I'm wrong you know you know much better than me but I still think it looks to me as though it's a major problem for Trump because Although January sixth wasn't perhaps an attempted coup, it certainly wasn't an orchestrated coup by Trump, as lots of people are trying to hmm. pretend, it was a deeply embarrassing thing that a lot of Americans found a bit repulsive. And if you look at the polls there's a you know, fifty percent of Americans think that Donald Trump should have been should be convicted for for the way that he behaved or, or for, for encouraging that riot, if you like. Is it not an electoral problem for Trump?
1: Well, any issue is. I mean, the Russia hoax still is. I mean, one of the reasons I left Congress and decided to do this is because I was so frustrated as the guy who led the investigation that unraveled that that entire hoax, that it was essentially a Clinton campaign plot working with corrupt figures in the Department of Justice and the FBI. Mm. You still have over 50% of Americans, at least the last polling that I saw, that believe that the Russians are somehow have something to do with Trump and Republicans, not just Trump. Republicans. Mm. This is the you know the part of the reason. If if Ray Epps was well known out there by a hundred percent of Americans, or at least those that cared, and who whatever the hell he was doing there, along with his other friends, I guarantee you that polling would not be, you know. And I haven't seen the polling. Trump at fifty percent. Just like if the American people knew that this was a scam created, the Russia hoax was created by the Clintons with a bunch of corrupt people within the Department of Justice and FBI. The polling that Americans believe that. Trump and Republicans have something to do with Russia would not be over 50%. So this is, you know, you're actually, you're helping me to make my point that we're in a very dangerous, dark chapter of American history, for sure, possibly around the globe, where the news media, that 95%, has been completely co-opted by the left, by Marxists, who quickly developed, they develop narratives, and then they use the media, they write 20, 30, 40, 50 stories, all say the same thing, roughly. Then it gets funneled down into the social media companies and delivered directly into people's brains. That's what's happening over and over and over and over again. And so, you know, look, like I said, and just to kind of finish up on, the, on January 6th, I mean, one of the, the most basic arguments and discussions that I have with people is, I think people in America have forgot that it is okay to have a rally and a protest in our nation's capital. It happens every single day. Okay. It's not unusual for people to, to even come into Congress and, and stop the proceedings in Congress. But okay? I mean, and they don't get prosecuted.
0: But, Devin, you've got to concede, and perhaps you may think it's because it was a sort of an FBI conspiracy, but you've got to concede that it was an embarrassing scene as far as, as far oh my as, God. I Absolutely. mean, it was not an attractive thing. Right. For- but, but
1: I'm just looking at what are the, what are the facts. Yeah. What I have said from the very beginning, when I was in Congress, when I was there, when it happened, I want to know who the hell broke the windows, who had hammers and ropes and were able to break the windows. They they could be out there, but as far as I know, they haven't been prosecuted. And I think that's a big problem. I think
0: a lot of our listeners won't know who Ray Epps is. Could you explain?
1: (laughs) Nobody really knows who he is, but he was some guy living in Arizona. He was affiliated with one of these uh, right-wing groups. He was caught on videotape the night before saying, we're going into the Capitol. We're going into the Capitol. And he's coming up on groups of, of Trump supporters that were there for the rally. mm and people that, that night, there's one fam- famous video where the, the people are like, who the hell is this guy? And they're like, fed, 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 fed. And they start calling him a federal agent. Like American people aren't stupid. They knew, like, who's this jackass coming up going, we're going into the Capitol. Like nobody wanted to go in the ca- into the Capitol, but at least to riot, which is another important point, by the way. The U.S. Capitol is open, used to be open before COVID and Pelosi shut it down. It is open to the public, including you don't even have to be an American citizen. No, I've been in there. Yeah, yeah, anybody can walk in. You don't even need an appointment. You can walk in, go in, go through a line, and get into the U.S. Capitol on mm. any day, except now Pelosi shut it down because of COVID. So the fact that this guy was out the night before saying, we're going into the Capitol, going into the Capitol. There's no evidence that he was a Trump supporter ever before. Like, like everybody that's a, like a big, avid Trump supporter that showed up in, in Washington on January 6th for that rally, yeah, there'd be a record of them. Because like yeah. they make posts. They make posts about it. They're, you know, you would know them all. Ray sh- shows up nowhere. Okay, So he shows up nowhere. He wasn't at the rally. So he was out the night before telling people to go to the Capitol at the rally, which was about a half a mile away. He wasn't there. But he was filmed telling people to write it at the, at the first time that there there was... Appropriate fencing was not up there. Was like kind of bi- I call them bicycle rack fencing. Mm. He was instructing people, tear that down, go, 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 and egging people on. So, so
0: and, he was, mean, I, and he was
1: on the FBI's most wanted list, and then mysteriously disappeared. Now here's a guy telling people to go into the Capitol, and yet you have people who didn't even go in the Capitol who have been prosecuted, arrested. Well, I mean, I mean this is a it's a it's a scary, scary situation. What's happening? To, I love these I love a conspiracy theory as much as the
0: next person. And quite often, I think conspiracy theories are true. But are you really saying that January the 6th, the riot on Capitol Hill, would not have happened if the FBI hadn't planted people in the crowd who encouraged. I, him, I don't think, the Well, crowd what I'm to, saying is,
1: is that, that, that Ray Epps is not a conspiracy. Uh, Ray Epps is a real person with no ties to Republican politics or Trump. And he was telling people to go into the Capitol, he hasn't been arrested. And what I would like to see as a somebody who cares about the institution, who cares about the U.S. Capitol, and what I said from day one. Remember, I was the top Republican on the House Intelligence Committee. I do remember okay? There was plenty of intelligence out there that a lot of bad people were going to come to the Capitol that day. Mm. Okay, That now is out. That's another fact that a lot of people don't know. Pelosi was warned, everyone was warned, that there were all sorts of groups coming to the Capitol. Mm. And for some reason, there was no fencing up. The National Guard, that President Trump approved to be available to go to the Capitol was not brought up, was not exercised, even though many people within the security department of the U.S. Capitol wanted those troops, wanted appropriate fencing. It wasn't done. So I think when you look at January 6th, I mean, first of all, Pelosi, the speaker, is the mayor, for lack of a better term. She runs that campus. She she is in charge of the Capitol. Mm. So first and foremost, she didn't listen to the intelligence. She didn't take the troops that, that President Trump wanted. And now they're running this scam committee where they bring in a Hollywood type producer to put forward stuff, but they're not talking about the things that I'm telling you right now. And all I want to know, I think I'm asking very simple questions that have not changed. You could go back and look at what I said from January, you know, 6th and 7th onward. I want to know who the hell broke the fricking windows and got through that capital. Because most of the people, because that was like the, a few people broke through the windows. We don't even know how, how many, you know why? Because they won't release the 14,000 hours of videotape. So there's 14,000 hours of videotape that Republicans haven't seen and nor have the public. So I go back to who broke the windows and who got through those windows. Those are the people that breached the Capitol. You have the fencing issue. Ray Epps is there at that. And then you have the windows that were broke. People got in, into the windows. But then, and there's plenty of video on this too, at some point, The doors just get opened up and people just walk in. So you have some percentage of, you know, and I don't even know how many people walked in the Capitol that day. Maybe there was a a thousand or two thousand. I don't know, but we should be able to know that number. Mm. But my guess is that 95% of them or more just walked right in. Yeah. So who breached, right? A a lot of people that, that walked in didn't even know they couldn't be in there. Yeah. They thought it was just part of the process, right? That, oh, you know, Capitol's normally open, we'd walk in. Yes. And the doors were open, the Capitol East. There's plenty of video showing the Capitol Police just there.
0: Well, there was a very strange footage of them all standing behind the behind the rope, patiently queuing up.
1: Yeah, there's, and there's lots of video. And there's lots of, and not only that, most of the people that walked through there were were very, very, you know, peaceful. They marched orderly. And then you saw when things got, there were people that got crazy, got violent. And you know, started trying to break things, and there were people trying to stop them from breaking things.
0: Do you ever think so, when you talk about this, and I don't mean this in a confrontational way, but I think it's, no, no, it's, thank quite, you. I, it's
1: a good conversation. Do, I'm not it, do you ever think when you know the
0: peaceful riots thing, you know, when CNN had the guy standing, and this you might accuse me of what here, but CNN had Black Lives Matter riots going on, and they had a guy standing in front of a burning building saying mostly peaceful riots. Do you ever think when you're talking about January 6th, you might be doing the same?
1: I thought you No, I think that's closer to when. When somebody said "F Joe Biden," and the the commentator said, "Oh my gosh, they're saying let's go Brandon, let's go Brandon." Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, the closer, that's- <laughs> closer comparison there. But what I'm telling you is, is that I'm actually I I'm saying the opposite. Like I want to see, I want to know the people that broke the law. It's illegal to break the windows and damage federal property and break into the Capitol. That's mm. illegal. It's illegal to break into the floor of the House and the Senate. But and Ashley Babbitt, people- who, was,
0: who was shot and killed, and you know, nobody wants her to be shot and killed. She didn't deserve to be shot and killed, but she was. She was behaving recklessly. She she smashed a window, right? And that is a dangerous thing to do when there are security guards in, in the Capitol. I mean, these people are behaving recklessly, whether you, whether you like it or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, that whole situation is, again, we don't, we're not sure what video we've seen or not seen, but I think the important point there is the only person that was killed that day was Ashley Babbitt, who was a protester, mm. right? Who shouldn't have been there, no yes. question. But look at how many stories came out. Sick, fake, fake news stories. That's, yeah, you know that story. Yeah. Uh, where supposedly he was— Explain that to our listeners. Well, it was an uh, officer who immediately—he ended up dying, but the, the fake news initially said that, that a Trump supporter beat him over the head with a fire extinguisher, I believe, was the story, like hit him, that he was bludgeoned to death or something. Mm. And it was, it was totally fake. It wasn't there was no truth to it he ended up you know having a heart attack later but he was not hit yes. but those are the types of things that we're dealing with so so i so i would say that what responsible people in the united states of america should want should be for and, and not to be a broken record here but just tell us who the who broke the windows and broke and broke the law Right. I mean, we know, like, even like the crazy Viking hat dude that everybody, like, he's the, yeah, yeah. He's like the, you know, like Hugh Shaman. Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy that that got plastered everywhere. Yes. That guy's just a crazy guy. He has a long history of like going to all sorts of rallies. He's not a, as far as I know, could be wrong, but I'm not sure that he was like a a Trump supporter guy that. that Annoyingly, my wife found
0: him very attractive, which I found very disturbing. Didn't think that would, that would that, happen. That, that
1: is disturbing. But that's I, not a guy. I mean, I've never, I've been in Republican politics. I've never seen that dude before. But well, it's he's, funny, a, he's a crazy guy. He's right? a crazy, he's yeah. a crazy he's, guy. He's obviously disturbed, you know, individual. But also his life is now ruined, right?
0: And that's another story. But, but perhaps we, we better wrap this up quite soon. But perhaps we can move on to just the, the other point about Trump running again, mm-hmm. which is that not just January 6th, but this fact. And I know this is a boring question. You've been asked a lot, but I'm going to have to ask you again if he's going to insist on relitigating 2020 does the american public i accept that a lot of trump supporters want to and a lot of perhaps quite a large chunk of the population have their doubts about what happened in 2020 but is it not true that a majority of americans don't want the 2024 election to be about what happened in 2020 so if trump keeps banging on about it it will hurt him at the ballot
1: well what he's trying to do is And you can argue about whether, you know, his tactics. But what he's attempting to do is to put forth a trying to go into these states and ensure that there's election integrity. So a lot of laws are being updated and changed. And as somebody who comes from the state of California, I can tell you that California went from very safe voting to now we have a disaster. In the way that we vote in California, and I spent you know twenty years of my life traveling overseas, working with intelligence officials, trying uh, emerging democracies, trying to ensure that you know one that the intelligence agencies and and their equivalent Justice Department stayed out of politics. That's not happening. But also that it's you know one man one vote, you know secure balloting, and that's not happening in California. What we do. I would it would have been a laughing stock for me to take California's voting system and go to the countries that 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 I've been in. Uh, a lot of times, working with you know with your uh, foreign ministry, also you know a lot of times the U.S. And, and and the Brits would be on the same side, and say, "Hey, let's put in the California system here, and we're going to just mail ballots to everybody." Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? No, that uh, nobody would go for that. Not not the Brits, none of our allies, not us. I mean, nobody. And what was being pushed through because of COVID? Many of those states started to adopt this crazy California system that is completely out of control, where everybody, when you get a driver's license, you go to the DMV. It's forced registration. So even if you say, I don't want to register, they register you. And then guess what they do? They mail you a ballot. So we have people in my constituency, we had cases of people getting four or five ballots. Right? So... We've lost complete control of the voting processes in California. Mm. And so there are there are real problems, and some states are, are better than others, but we need to, you know, the, the individual states ultimately control their, their voting systems. And so you're right in that the president, you know, has to talk about other, President Trump, if he's going to run, is going to have to talk about other issues. But he does talk about them, but you probably don't see the rallies. Mm. But he is, you know— hellbent to make sure that as many of these states clean up their voter rolls their voting systems so that we don't have these problems you know, going into the 2022 election. And I think it's a, look, as a guy who stood for, for many, many elections, I've never seen a more fraudulent. I mean, I actually had to, in order to defend my seat, I had to actually do ballot harvesting myself. What do you mean? It's legal. It's legal in California. I don't want you to think that it's nothing legal. But so imagine everybody has a ballot mm. and you can send people door to door to go and pick up those ballots. Oh, I see, so to gather them in. Yes. Yeah. You don't even have to turn the ballot in. You don't even have to take it to a ballot box. Mm. And I could hire anyone that I wanted. I could hire a Chinese national. I could hire a foreign exchange student. I could hire anyone to go and, and pick up ballots in my constituency or anywhere in California, anyone can hire anyone. I mean, you could be, you could go to the United States. Zuckerberg could give you $419 million, like he did use in the election, four hundred and ninety million million that went against Republicans. He could give you $419 million. You could arrive in the United States and you say, I'm here in California. I'm going to harvest ballots. Let's right. go. Who's going to work for me? I think that's a problem. And I think it's a big problem. It's kind of just common sense. So you're right in that, that, President Trump, on one hand, is going to you know he he needs to try to push the states where he can and try to be helpful with those that want to try to improve voter laws, but on the other hand, you know he will ultimately have to talk about like it always happens the issues that, that people care about. And I would say if you watched his rallies, he spends a lot of time on 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 those issues, gas prices and oil pipelines and you know green energy deals. I mean, you know he it's it's they're quite entertaining. It's why tens of thousands of people show up and why millions of people watch. Well, Tevin, I think we're going to have
0: to wrap it up there, sadly, because I would love to carry on talking to you. And uh, well, look,
1: I hope I hope you know this that look, we're serious about bringing uh, free speech to the U- UK. And I'm going to be, you know, maybe not uh, be in the UK as often as as I'd like to be, but I'm just a, a call away, and I'd love to do your podcast again and, and whenever you, whenever, whenever you want me and. We want to help you guys get your voice back here in the UK.
0: We didn't, we didn't even really talk about Russiagate, which, I, you know, you are oh the world expert. On that's, it, like so. the,
1: um, that's like a bad penny. It just follows me around. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like a rain cloud. It's a clown. huge <laughs> box of problems. <laughs>
0: yes. uh, but, Devin, thank you very much for coming in to The Spectator and for coming on to Americano. Hey, it's it's uh, a,
1: really a pleasure to meet you, and, and thank you so much for, for your hospitality.
0: We will, we will get you on again. But we must wrap it up there, so thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of Americano. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a star rating, preferably five stars, and a review.